So, Ben Nicholson Smith, I uh, have to ask you, are we sure this game is over? <laughs> are we sure it's done? I'm not. A, tons of hits, runs, walks, you, everything you could have possibly asked for in this game, including some not so great pitching, but we can get to that a little later on. But still, this game had everything you could have possibly wanted. So I, I have to ask, are we really sure this game is over? Because I wouldn't be so surprised looking at the screens here in baseball control if somehow uh, we were seeing players come back out for the uh, top of the 10th inning the way things went today. Yeah, exactly. A few more lead changes, perhaps. The ghost of Jordan Romano coming out for like a 45-pitch <laughs> outing. I mean, who knows? But yeah, I think this game is over. I think it ended and the Blue Jays appear to have swept the LA Angels. The first sweep of the season, as we all predicted, the first sweep of the season coming at the end of May in a four-game set against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Blue Jays win 11-10. to 10. You're listening to Jays Talk. I'm Show Ali. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You can call us, certainly, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cellular device, or you can text us at 590 590- 590. I think this text, I, I will get, to, we'll kind of dip it in and out of the text line and the call or so on over the next little while here, Ben. But I think this text kind of sums up how we all felt at during, during this game from DB in London. I assume London, Ontario, not London, England, but either way, DB texting in to say, this is one crazy game, exclamation mark, go Jays. I think that's basically the simplest way because I'm not really, really really sure where you want to start on this, right? I mean, I guess we could talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is certainly, if not the player of the game, the player of the series after the three-hit game a couple of nights ago and then five RBI tonight. I, I just, he is, we, I feel like we kind of, I don't want to say have, have dumped on Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but he was in the weeds in the, in the end of April. And for a lot of May, he was in the weeds. And there was a point where I feel like his, his, he was what, two for 35 or something at the plate. And like I said, three RBI or three hits, pardon me, on Friday. And then today, the five RBI, including two bases loaded walks. Uh, we know he is a streaky player, but do you think this uh, portends perhaps a hot streak for Lourdes? Well, it certainly seems like he's in the midst of one right now. And I think it's remarkable because entering this game, his OPS was 615. And this is someone who had really struggled offensively. We're now, you know, nearing the end of the second month of the season. His OPS is 615. That's that's obviously not what you're looking for from a guy who's a corner outfielder, a bat first player, and someone who has hit major league pitching consistently before. So he really does seem to be finding his rhythm at the plate. It's not all rockets necessarily, but even those walks, two bases loaded walks today, it tells you that he's locked in when it comes to knowing what he is looking for and not offering at the pitches that he doesn't want to attack. I see here a, a stat from, from Nick Ashbourne, certainly who is uh, one of our co- co-workers at Sportsnet. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. entered today with just 13 multi-walk games in his 389-game Major League Baseball career. Two bases loaded walks from him today. I think that just uh, is the epitome of uh, an absolutely outrageous stat. And I think outrageous and ridiculous were words that both you and uh, Ben Shulman used multiple times tonight. Absolutely accurate because it was a wild one. Uh, What is equally wild to me, and it's something we have talked about a lot over the course of the season, about getting consistency and getting run production, not from the big guns, but from the bottom of the order, and today, if, if you had told me coming into this game, if we were discussing this on the pregame show and you had told me that you'd get eight combined RBI from the seventh and eight hitters, 
I think I would probably have, if not laughed, I would have definitely scoffed because Tapia, I mean, this might have been, as, as we're talking about Lourdes as well and him maybe getting on a hot streak being in the midst of one, Raymond Tapia going, having three RBI today, I think is, is, uh, is absolutely fantastic, right? I mean, pinch hitting, or, or pardon me, uh, having him as the DH spot today, I think I was a little, uh, I was a little questionable, I gotta say. I was uh, wondering why we weren't gonna see Danny Jansen in there or if we would see him, but it clearly, uh, the faith in Tapia paid off. Even if one of those, one of those uh, plays was kind of a funky bounce, right? The, the ball that went straight off the second base bag and straight up in the air. Maybe some just bad luck for the Angels on that play. But, I mean, you'll take it if you're a Blue Jays fan. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Tapia is stepping up with a, a nice game offensively, a walk in there for him as well. And I agree with you, Show. I mean, when I was looking at the lineup to start the, the day and kind of preparing the scorecards along with Ben Shulman here, you see Jansen and Teoscar and Vlad Jr. on the bench, and you're thinking, Tapia's the DH, and those guys are are available. But, you know, it ended up working out, and it kind of really reinforces how well things went for Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays in this series. His decisions, his challenges, his relievers, David Phelps coming in for the ninth, and Jimmy Garcia in the eighth against the heart of the order, the pinch running, the pinch hitting, it really did work out well. And it doesn't often happen for a manager that things work out quite like this. But, you know, if you're Charlie Montoyo on that flight back from Los Angeles tonight, you're probably going to have the chance to, you know, rest pretty easy knowing that you really did your part and that the moves worked out. Well, I got to say, if, if you're Charlie Montoya, you probably also breathe easy because after Jose Barrios goes two and a third, which is absolutely awful from Barrios, probably one of his, his worst starts of the last several years, even going back to before he was a Blue Jay. And I mean, look, you're not going to have Sterling outings every time, but that's that goes well before, you know, well beyond that. And uh, Ryan Barucki as well. We got a lot of texts on the text line earlier in the game before the before we basically got essentially two baseball games in this one, right? But uh, the Ryan Barucki stuff, I we will get to that. But given what you got from Barrios and Barucki today, I think that the bats were finally able to wake up. And we haven't seen too many double-digit scoring games from the Blue Jays. And that you were able to go toe-to-toe with the Angels, a, a relatively uh, potent offensive team in their own right. I think you have to be... Certainly feel good that the buttons you pushed at the end of the game worked out, but that you weren't burned in the end too much by Barucki having, uh, you know, a not so great outing. That's right. I mean, the offense in the course of the last five games, all wins for the Blue Jays, has really resurfaced. It's really returned for this team. And it started in St. Louis with an eight run outburst. And of course, at that point, the question is, can they sustain it? And they really have for the most part. You see today Springer with a couple of hits, Bo with a couple of hits, Kirk, as well as those guys at the bottom of the order and Lourdes and Tapia. So even Teoscar to come in at the end and get a single and get a walk. These are signs that the offense is coming through. And I think it's worth noting as well. We've been talking about this all weekend show, but really the runners in scoring position, that was such a talking point. It was such a struggle for the Blue Jays in the early part of the year. And they have really reversed it. I mean, now they've, they've gotten tons of hits with runners in scoring position. Well, that, isn't that something we've been talking about? And not just, when I say we, it's kind of like the royal we. I don't just mean you and I, but Blair and Barker have spoken about this, and Ben Ennis, and all of our colleagues, Shy, Arden, everyone at Sportsnet, essentially, and everyone who watches the Blue Jays, fans, media, basically going on and on about how runners in scoring position being dead last in the in Major League Baseball with that probably was not going to stay that way all season long. And I just, I, this team is too good for that to continually be an issue. There are going to be slumps. There's no way there's not going to be slumps, but boy, that I got to say that was, uh, it's always good to see seven for 17 
with uh, runners in the scoring position today. Let's get to the phone lines. Our first caller, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. You can also text us as well. We'll get to more text a little later on at 590-590. Leave your name and location. Uh, let's go to Eddie in Fort Erie. And Eddie, I, uh, I kind of agree with what I've been told you want to talk about, that this maybe should be the Sunday nighter tonight. Oh, absolutely, show. And uh, Ben, uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. I mean, this game had absolutely everything. I mean, first of all, when I saw the schedule, uh, it, like earlier in the year, and I saw that the uh, Blue Jays were going to face the Angels, and I said to myself, they better put this on Sunday night because you know what? When you have Vladdy and Shohei facing each other, you know, the guys that finished one and two in the MVP voting, you know, Shohei is, you know, out of this world. Vladdy's out of this world. You got to put him on like on, on the national broadcast, and they did not do that. And now, I hope they they get the message for when they have him on again for when the Angels come to Toronto. But um, I'll tell you what, though, for Lourdes Gurriel, he's gonna have he he gave Joe Madden some really bad California nightmares for for o- over the last few days because you know what I don't know what you were thinking intentionally walking Vladdy to fa- to have to have your pitcher face um Guriel who's been hitting the ball so well in Angel Stadium and I'm like really and that's what cost them and and you know what glad for the Blue Jays that they got the sweep because you know what they earned it and they're gonna enjoy that off day but you know what just one other thing I was really glad that they got the win because my biggest fear was if it went to extra innings what if you had to put Kevin Gossman in who was gonna start the game against the White Sox on Tuesday right because I was like thinking that and thinking that and hey you know I'm glad it didn't happen you know Absolutely, Eddie. Thanks for the call. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think you look at Lourdes Gurriel, and, and we were kind of talking about him earlier in the sense that he got the five RBI, the two bases loaded walks. And it's always, isn't it, Ben, uh, such a great feeling whenever you see someone gets someone gets skipped over so they can allegedly take advantage of the person afterwards and then that person immediately making the manager pay we've seen that a couple of times this year i think the one that comes to mind immediately is when i forget who walked but zach collins was the next guy and he hit a home run essentially right away or at the very least he got an rbi right away and uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. today, and th- really this whole series, as we've discussed, he's a streaky guy, and maybe he is in the midst of a hot streak and not about to start one. I will say this. I don't think Lourdes should be moved from his spot in the order. I mean, may, uh, you kind of always, you'll, you'll always see them tinker with the bottom half of the lineup, certainly, but I like Lourdes's spot in that maybe six, seven, eight spot, depending on who the other pitcher is. But I think that's probably a, a good zone for him to hover. in. I would think, yeah, I think that's safe for now, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, you could, you could really keep Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk toward the top. We saw Kirk in the cleanup spot today that of course, with a few uh, key players on the bench for the Jays, but we've gradually seen the catchers move up in the batting order. And I think regardless of which one it is, they're both hitting so well that I, I like those guys ahead of Chapman and pretty high in the order from a Jays perspective. So I think that makes sense. And, you know, to Eddie's point about the, the national broadcast and potentially Sunday night baseball, I'll tell you this, if I was picking, I definitely would have chosen the Blue Jays and Angels to be on Sunday night baseball. I just think that's a tremendous matchup. And certainly the games were compelling all week. But if the Jays get to where they want to go, they will be on national TV a lot in October. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I think um, this game was was probably the nuttiest game. I think the only game I could think of 
that compares to this, at least so far this season, was probably the season opener because of the way that they came back in that game. But yeah. since then, I mean, I can't think of too many other games that have provided this level of, of back and forth. And that game, like the season opener was crazy because it was the first game back in Toronto. Barrios on the mound. Again, not a great start from Barrios in that game, funnily enough. But they did come back, but it was kind of one long buildup. Whereas this game, it was trading leads and wacky things happening um, basically every inning. I think there was only, what, two innings including the ninth where the angels didn't score, which is pretty wild. So um, again, the blue Jays win uh, 11 to 10 and uh, avoid extras. They do get the sweep in four games against the angels. Uh, you mentioned the catchers, of course, Ben and uh, Alejandro Kirk. We didn't see Danny Jansen today, but Kirk, I think continually proving what we've discussed essentially all weekend, which is that he is one of the harder guys to sim- to get out period on this entire ball club, right? We saw the pinch hit RBI single, I guess it was last night. And today again, Kirk coming through in a big spot. I just, I'm not really sure. I, I'm, I guess I'm starting to convince myself that there's really no way you can get rid of someone. Cause I think the, uh, someone like Kirk, because I feel like there's people kind of forget sometimes that he is as young as he is, I guess. How old is he now? 22 or 23. And yep. yeah, I mean, if, if you see the kind of development he has had year over year, they just, how could you possibly at this point entertain the notion of trading him? And I, I almost feel ashamed that I thought about it earlier this season. Well, yeah, he's been so good defensively, offensively. Kirk looks, he looks great. He looks like a piece of the core of this team. And it's, it's, he's doing it in a way that you can see the skills that lead to the success. It's not, he's fluking in with a high BABIP or something like that. He's avoiding strikeouts. Uh, there are real skills here. Now, you know, of course, anyone short of your Vlad juniors and your Mike Trouts, you can think about trades. You can entertain it. It's just the price would have to be really high. And I think for the Jays, they do have that crunch coming with Jansen and Moreno. I don't think that necessarily means you have to make a move and, there are worse things than having three good hitters who can all play catcher. Like that's a fine situation to be in, even if it's a bit unorthodox and it would demand some positional versatility it would demand some DH at bats, but those things are okay. You can work on those and make those adjustments if you have to. I mean, we talk so much about the blue Jays being pretty strict with their scheduled days off. And we, we know they like to do that. They like to give guys half days off when they can. And Hey, that's, that's fine. But you know, if they if they can if they are using two catchers at the DH spot and the catcher position itself, then I guess the the only way you'd have you like the, what's going to happen going forward is you're just going to have more games like yesterday where Springer is just not in the lineup whatsoever and then available to pinch it if absolutely needed. I see a text here on the text line from Alex in Mississauga, and again five ninety five ninety name and location. He says, uh, "What a game! The Jays just have to cement that they are a three catcher team when Moreno comes up." Kirk is too valuable and we don't need to explain Jansen's role. So happy they are waking up. And again, that kind of goes to what we're talking about with the catchers here, Ben, about carrying three catchers. Although, boy, if Kirk and Jansen continue to play like this, it's going to make it a real tough decision, especially if Moreno keeps on raking in in Buffalo. It's going to make it a very tough decision as to when he gets called up, because if he if he forces their hand and makes them call him up a little later on in the year. I, I, I genuinely wonder how the lineup will look if, if someone like Moreno is added to the mix here. Well, if I'm the Jays, I would probably find a way to get Moreno some at-bats in left field just to see, you know, keep keep him fresh, maybe a, an occasional rep at the infield, um, just so you have that option and, and you have that flexibility if you need it. Uh, at the same time, 
you know, you're probably not, even if there is a trade to be made, it strikes me as more likely as an off-season trade as opposed to mid-season, a contender trading away one of their main catchers. You just don't see that very often. We did see Jan Gomes traded last year, but that was from that was from a non-contender to a contender. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that that's a short-term uh, solution that we're going to see. I think that they're going to navigate this year month by month and likely keep all those three guys until at least the off-season. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think you see at this rate, the way they're, the way they're all hitting and, and I'm including, when I say they, I'm including Moreno and the minors, but the way it's all going right now, I would be shocked if anything major happens trade wise with any three of those guys before at the very earliest, the spring of 2023. And even then I, at this rate, I would be, I mean, I would be really shocked. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 416-870-0591, triple triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Chris in Edmonton, Alberta, out west. You want to talk about not only the struggles of Jose Barrios, but some uh, contributions as we've discussed from Emil Tapia. Absolutely. Thanks for taking my call, uh, show and Ben. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I didn't watch most of the game. We're working today. Uh, work seven on, seven off. But uh, I was we watched the last little bit of the the uh, game. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, is was that just like a bad outing for Jose or what? Yeah, I would probably say Jose. It's it was it's strange, right, Chris? Because if you look at the stats on him. He, he gave up the two long bombs to Otani earlier on. So maybe before you tuned in first and third, the second home run was a two run Jack to uh, Otani. And then, you know, angels swung at 25 of his 56 pitches today and they whiffed on just four of them overall. I mean, he just, he just yeah. hasn't looked like himself this season. Yeah, I guess. eh? so yeah, well, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess hopefully he gets it. He brings it back around. Uh, hopefully Pete uh, kind of found something what what happened in that game and then you know uh, also wanted to bring up uh, Alejandro's Kirk's uh, contributions and then uh, uh, Tapia being our silent uh, but deadly pickup uh, for one Randall Grichuk I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you guys go thanks for taking my call and uh, I'll uh, I'll keep tuned in to hear hear your uh, hear your thoughts Thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a great uh, rest of your Sunday out there in Alberta. I think, uh, well, certainly, Tapia, as we've discussed, Ben, I think as a lot of people, I think, wanted to see less of him, I dare say. But I remember when the the Tapia trade was made for Grichuk, uh, certainly, I think people, I think, wanted to see the Blue Jays kind of divest themselves of Grichuk's contract. And I think a lot of people had no ill will for him when he went off to, to Colorado for Tapia, the one for one. But when Tavia came in, I think that the read on him was that he would he wouldn't have a lot of bad at bats because he could you know he had a low relatively low strikeout rate. He you know the, I know the launch angle on his on his balls uh, whenever they left the bat would would not be wasn't great right it was it was very almost like parallel to the ground it felt like <laughs> when we were looking at that in the uh, in the off season. But at the same time he is a guy who is, is tough to pitch to at times. And I'm glad to see it's starting to turn for him. I, I would say we have seen more Tapia than we maybe ever, maybe ever intended to see this season just because of injuries and Teoscar Hernandez being on the IL with the oblique injury certainly played into that a little bit, because I think we all think that Tapia is a guy who is at best the fourth outfielder, but I wonder if we might see some more playing time for him, maybe over Bradley Zimmer if need be. 
Well, certainly offensively, I think you want to see Tapia in there before you see Bradley Zimmer, who just continues to struggle. You know, you look back at the last couple of weeks and he has been getting more hits, Tapia has, and he has been getting on base at a better clip even before today. So, you know, thanks for the call, Chris, and, and good point on, on Tapia. I think it really does, you know, it, it reinforces just how many hitters in this lineup have been underperforming because you look at whether it's Chapman, whether it's Biggio, whether it's Lourdes or Tapia or Zimmer, like I'm not saying all these guys are going to be good major league hitters or well above average, but they can all improve based on what they've shown so far this year. And so far, at least in this series against the Angels, they're showing signs of getting back to that level, which is huge because, you know, again, this is supposed to be an offensive team. And for so long, they struggled to score runs. But today they set a new season high. It was the first time they've actually scored 10 runs since opening day. So this is what we expected to see on occasion and winning an 11-10 game is not something that every team can do. It's certainly not something that the Blue Jays could have done for most of this season. But to do that today, I mean, that was that was a huge win. Can I just say real quick also, Ben, that you look at the seventh inning in particular where the Blue Jays, they were trailing and they tied the game at nines. And then I think in the bottom of the seventh inning, Max Stassi hit the solo home run off of, uh, off of Adam Simber. I feel like not a lot of the... We haven't had this discussion yet so far, so let's quickly have it now. Not a lot of that rally, I think, would happen if Matt Chapman doesn't dodge that weirdly hit ground ball that just kind of dribbles up the first baseline, and he doesn't basically matrix dodge both Oliver Ortega and uh, and I guess it was Walsh at first base and sliding around them. He I guess they ruled that he stayed within the base paths. I mean, it's just kind of interesting considering we talked a little bit last night about base path running and so on, but it's it's funny to think that you can trace back a lot of the late rally, one of the late rallies, I guess I should say, to that at bat because he got on base somehow. And maybe you can blame the pitcher a little bit because if he had just let that ball go, maybe it goes foul or maybe the maybe the position player picks it up and touches him or touches the bag with the backhand. But at the same time, Chapman getting on base in that situation to load the bases. And then I think a little later on, uh, Guriel would take a bases loaded walk. That's very impressive to me. Yeah, it was great base running by Chapman. And to me, it reflected a continued focus on his part. I mean, that's getting late into the game. These were some long games, right? Three hours, 45 last night. Today was what? Four hours, 15. It was a long game. So, you know, these, these players are human beings. They're out there. They're trying to focus. They're trying to bring their, their maximum intensity to all these moments. Chapman successfully did that there. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Again, with two bases loaded walks, he's locked in at the plate. He is really seeking the pitches within the zone and saying no to everything else. Tay Oscar with the bases loaded walk. So those to me are signs of focus from this team um, that are really much needed because in a game this close, one play or two plays can really swing the outcome. You're listening to Jay's Talk Show and Ben on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll go back to the phone lines and the text lines. A very uh, active text line, certainly, as well as, of course, the Blue Jays win 11-10. to 10. They sweep the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and have the day off tomorrow before heading back to Toronto. But again, you're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Pitch 24 on the way. Swing and a drive to deep center field. Trout at the wall, leaps, and watches it sail. A game-tying blast from Bo Bichette. Tens are wild in Anaheim. 
a clutch hit from one Bo Bichette as the Blue Jays win 11 to 10 in Anaheim over the Los Angeles Angels. They sweep away this four game series and of course have the day off on Monday before heading back to Rogers Center for a little bit of a homestand here in the city of Toronto. But you're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Ben Nicholson-Smith with you for about 10 more minutes. And uh, before we get back to the Jays, let's check in on the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. And uh, Ben, before we... We usually do... We usually do the AL East, and you know what? I I, I don't want to do the AL East today. We do that. We do that every single time. Um, we can do that. Revisit the AL East a little later on, but I do want to take a look at the AL Central because the top two teams in the AL Central are the next two teams the Blue Jays will be playing at Rogers Center starting on Tuesday. The uh, Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. That three-game series against the White Sox starts on Tuesday, and then the series against the Twins starts on Friday. And I'm sure that's going to be a lot of fun down at Rogers Center. Some very good pitching matchups in there, including Dylan Cease, I believe, uh, for the uh, for the White Sox. But you look at the standings here right now in the AL Central. Minnesota is 29 and 19. The White Sox are 23 and 23. Now Minnesota won, I believe they won today over the Royals, and the White Sox also won today to get back to 500 in a in a bit of a marathon 12 innings against the Cubs their neighbors in Chicago Cleveland is 19 and 24 Detroit is 17 and 29 Kansas City is 16 and 30 but th- that those White Sox we're going to see them on Tuesday at Rogers Center I believe last I checked Tim Anderson their star shortstop was injured I don't know if it was yesterday now I'm not sure if he played in the game today but still if Tim Anderson is injured that series against the White Sox could potentially look very different Absolutely. I mean, that's a a very talented player, of course, at the center of what the White Sox try to do. They'll be throwing out Lucas Giolito and Michael Kopech in the first couple games. So, you know, more tough stuff for this Blue Jays team. They've seen so much stuff, so much velocity that will continue then in the in the third game on Thursday, which is an afternoon game with Alec Manoa on the mound for the Jays. It'll be Johnny Cueto. So at that point, okay. you're seeing less velo, bit of a different style, keeping your timing off balance. But yeah, it should be it should be a fun series um, and an interesting look at the American League Central, which you know we haven't seen a ton of uh, so far this year. I actually forgot Johnny Cueto played for the White Sox. Isn't that funny? I feel like he's been around Major League Baseball for like a, for a very very long time. Ben. Well, he's a new addition. I I think you can be <laughs> very much uh, forgiven there. I think he's only pitched a couple games with Chicago. Okay, okay well there you go. I I was kind of hoping we'd see Cease at one point, but hey, if you I'll settle for a I guess it would be a Gosman Lucas Giolito matchup. I will settle for that matchup because that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, that series begins on Tuesday. Uh, let's go back to the text line here on JSTOCK as we discussed this 11 to 10 Blue Jays win. Uh, I see no no name on this, but I just wanted to get to this one. Why wouldn't you trade Alejandro Kirk for an everyday lefty power bat right now? His stock is so high right now. If you can get the right guy, uh, now is the time to sell. He is not untouchable by any stretch. I would like, I mean, look, basically no player na- not named Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Bo Bichette are, es- are essentially untouchable. But at the same time, I-, I just feel like there are few teams that are even that are out of it with expanded playoffs. I feel like there are a few teams that would make a trade of that magnitude at this point of the season. It's exactly right. I mean, I think that, of course, in theory, that's that's an approach that I think makes some sense. Like if you could get a lefty hitting power bat, someone who would complement this this batting order and have similar years of team control remaining, 
yeah, I think in theory that's something that you could you could look at. It's just hard to find, as you say, show the right team that would have that the right player, someone that you really believe in, someone who can help you defensively. Because let's not forget, Kirk is not just a DH, even though he does DH. He also plays the second most important defensive position on the diamond behind pitcher. So, you know, he's someone who really does bring defensive value. We've seen that with his arm and his framing this year. And I don't want to overlook that. So I think that it's conceptually, you have to be open to it. But I think in practice, it's very hard to find that fit. I, I, I agree. I think like, I'm not saying you never do it, but uh, especially with the expanded playoffs this year, I wonder if teams will hold off on selling until they absolutely know that they are going to maybe not being in contention. And maybe that takes us closer to the trade deadline. And so, instead of seeing like a Simber or Richards deal that was made a little prior to the deadline last season, maybe you see more deals get made a little closer to the deadline this year with uh, more teams eligible uh, for the playoffs. Um, elsewhere on the text line, 590-590, Ruben in Alberta says, I think uh, Espinal should go back down in the lineups. He thrives with less pressure. He's gone 3 of 25. He's sitting 128, OBP of 210, slugging percentage of 170, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position since being put in the top of the lineup. I'm just saying. I will say, I kind of agree with Ruben, not because I think Espinal has done poorly, but just because I when... When the when you don't need Espinal at the top, when you can get away with having Springer, Bo, uh, and and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as your top three, and then you kind of figure it out after that, Teoscar Hernandez more often than not will be number four, and so on. I think it's I think I'd prefer seeing Espinal. I think I kind of like him, maybe not permanently, but more or less in that five or six spot, depending on who else in the lineup. Maybe Danny Jansen or Kirk are as the other one of that five six spot. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with Ruben in the sense that I I would prefer to see. Uh, Espinal in the middle of the order as opposed to the top of the order. You know what? I do too. I think at this point, nothing wrong with uh, the whole season that Espinal has had, of course, as a, as a whole. Sure, he's been yeah. very productive, um, but he's not hitting his best right now and did have an 0 for today, an 0 for 6 actually at the plate. So that's not to be overly reactive, but look, I mean, you've got a chance to get more at-bats for Springer, Vlad, Bo, keep the catchers high up there, get Teoscar, of course, he's going to be in that group whenever he's in the lineup. So Teoscar is going to be in that mix. And then you can kind of go from there. And is it Chapman and then Espinal? Do you mix lefty in? Lourdes, of course, is going to be in that mix. But, you know, at a time that some of these other hitters are now starting to produce, Espinal doesn't have to feature front and center. And that's both as far as they construct the lineup and also just more broadly, he doesn't have to carry this team the way, you know, for a while he was one of the few guys who was actually hitting. Yeah, exactly. And hey, I think it's not to not to poo-poo what Espinal has done this season because I think he has grabbed the second base role with uh with with a great regularity, right? He doesn't have to share it anymore, no platoon really. And I I love what I've been seeing from him, but at the same time, yeah, I think it's his role I think is best suited at this point to that middle part. Um, of the order i see marie from ridgeway has a text as well so after a month away from the team no mention on well how biggio has done and you know what that's fair we haven't spoken about kevin biggio at all today or really yeah really at all today and uh he legs out i think i guess what was essentially a swinging bunt that essentially he essentially looked like me in every beer league chopping a ball into the dirt and then sprinting to get on base but but it, in all seriousness i did like what i saw from biggio and again in limited contributions ben i dare say we could probably pencil him in for some more relief appearances, quote unquote, obviously not in the sense of pitching, but in the sense that he might be used to spell other guys when scheduled day offs uh, occur. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Even within a game, if they want a tough at bat against a right-handed pitcher, 
Vigio is someone who could contribute in that situation. Obviously brings positional versatility, as we saw in this series, where he did play second base, first base, and I think left field at one point. So he was moving around. That's a, a useful skill set. So I don't think that you're in a rush to necessarily get Vigio or Tapia or Zimmer into the lineup on an everyday basis, but they're going to play a lot, whether it's as a defensive replacement or off the bench in some sort of supporting role. Uh, before we go, Ben, we only have a couple minutes left here on Jay's talk. Um, I do want to get to one last thing. We kind of talked a little bit about Jose Barrios and again, two and a third innings pitch, six hits, six earned runs, one walk, one strikeout. He allowed two home runs, both of whom uh, were hit by Otani. Uh, two starts of less than three innings this year for the first, or this year, and that's the that's happened for the first time since 2017. I mentioned to our caller from Alberta that the Angels swung at 25 of his 56 pitches today. They whiffed on just four of them overall. I just that is not inspiring, but I still think there is room for him to turn it around, especially with Pete Walker being the, being the pitching coach. But the guy I do want to discuss very briefly here before we go is Ryan Baraki. Now Baraki was put in a tough spot. 100% I can admit that, but just not a lot of very competitive pitches for someone who is, I think, supposed to be a lefty specialist, right? Like he just hasn't thrown a ton of strikes. It looked like he was searching for the zone all game long. Like he did strike out Otani, but at least for me, I think the Ryan Barucki experiment is uh, is over, right? I think I've seen enough. I Today, an, an inning pitched, two hits, two earned runs, one walk, one strikeout, a home run to Taylor Ward. Some runs that were maybe not accounted for there because the Max Stassi two-RBI single, I think, was credited to Barrios. But I, I, think, uh, I think for me, much like Julian Merriweather yesterday, I think it's safe to say I'm no longer that interested in seeing Ryan Barucki in high leverage situations. I know Montoya didn't have a, two, a great choice today, but still, I, I think uh, the experiment is, is over for me. Right. And you know, the 11 runs do overshadow some of the issues on the pitching side. So starting with Baraki, yeah, it was, it was a rough outing. He wasn't locating his slider. He wasn't throwing enough strikes and Ward hit him really hard. So that's, that's tough. I mean, to me, certainly your plan A is not to bring him in and leverage. Your plan A is to have Mesa. The Jays need to add relief. I mean, it's, the more I watch this team in these close games, they need more relievers. So they need to be adding at the deadline or sooner. That's a need for them. That's I think we can all agree on that. But then, okay, so for Barucki, it's a long season. Uh, we've seen him good before. I'm not going to write him off. I, I think that you you try to work him back through some lower leverage outings, try to get him to find the command of that slider and, and take advantage of his stuff. But, you know, more important for, for the Blue Jays, is the question of Jose Barrios and what he can bring them going forward. And as you said, show, I mean, there is a bit of a lack of swing and miss right now with Jose Barrios. And you look at the strikeout rate, which I, again, in 2021 was 26%. Yeah. Now going into his start today, it was down to 17% for a strikeout rate. So that's a pretty big drop off and not to panic. Cause you got six more years and you want to get him right. But at this point, he's not striking enough hitters out. And that's, that's key. That's a core aspect of what pitchers need to do in today's game. We won't see Barrios until, I guess, next weekend at this point when his former team, the Minnesota Twins, come to town. But, yeah, it is a little concerning. But for now, I guess uh, salved a little bit by an 11-10 to 10 win where the bats managed to pick up the pitching for one of the few times this season so far. So here's hoping we see a little more of that going forward. Hey, Ben, um, this is the this is it for us here. Uh, we're off tomorrow, and then Blair and Barker are back. Uh, we're the good luck charms, it would seem. Maybe they should let us do this more often. Well, exactly. I think that the, <laughs> uh, the results are undeniable, really. So uh, watch out. If the Jays ever need some more wins, then maybe it's time to call 
on uh, Shulman, Nicholson, Smith, and Ali again. Absolutely. That's Ben Nicholson Smith. And that does it for Jay's Talk today. I'm Show Ali. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Uh, Jay's Talk is off tomorrow, but don't forget, Blake Murphy will have a new show available on the Jay's Talk podcast feed. His show is called Jay's Talk Plus. It will run from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday to Friday. Blake is terrific. You guys have heard his voice with me on this very show. He brings some great analysis, and I think I speak for uh, BNS and myself when I say we are both very excited to hear Blake's new show. Jays win 11 to 10. Blair and Barker are back on Tuesday. Have a great Sunday night. We will talk to you later this week.